More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. On this episode of the Family Business Voice, we welcome our guest, Ryan Margolin, who talks to us about the entrepreneurial path that led him to become CEO of his family's business, Professional Hair Labs, and what it takes to scale a family company. Enjoy this episode with Ryan. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Family Business Voice. I'm very happy to welcome my guest today. His name is Ryan Margolin, and he's the CEO of Professional Hair Labs. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks very much, Rami. I appreciate it. Well, Ryan, you and I are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. We're going to talk about entrepreneurship, mostly, and we're going to talk about how this mysterious thing that is entrepreneurship actually works, and especially how you've made it work. And we're going to throw a little bit of family dynamics in there as well in our conversation, because you've got plenty of that going on around you. So, I mean, Ryan, I think like it's it's always fair to ask this question, because I do think that a lot of us sort of like land into these roles pretty much by accident and then others totally by design. They knew that they were going to do this growing up, etc. What were you like as a boy? So I always had a really high level of focus in anything that I did. I was always intently focused on one or two things singularly at any, at any one time. So growing up, sport was a big part of my life. So basketball, I was absolutely obsessed with. And I played that every single day throughout school. I, my full intention was to become a professional basketball player. Naturally, you know, as time went on and I, my journey through school, my focus shifted a little bit. I always kept basketball at the forefront of what I did, but music kind of took over then. It's always been a part of my family. And I kind of was left with a choice when I finished school of what direction I wanted to take. And I eventually ended up choosing, you know, to focus on music for a period of time. Growing up in the environment that I did, both of my parents were business owners. So I always knew ultimately, no matter what I did, I always wanted to end up, you know, doing things for myself. I saw, you know, growing up over the years, the highs and lows of it. While some of it was over my head, I was young at the time, other parts of it stuck with me and still have not left me to this day. And in fact, it probably shaped a lot of my beliefs growing up. So that led me to explore opportunities outside of music and basketball. Eventually, when when I had a family, things didn't work out as, as I intended them to, which they rarely do in those industries. You know, a very small percentage of people end up making a, a career or living from it. So what happened at that point then is I focused my attention towards developing myself and my knowledge and my experience and learning different parts of sales and marketing, which is kind of from the time I was about 16, I always had some sort of a job that entailed one of those two sides of uh, business. And I decided to kind of focus more on the marketing thing as time went on. When the crash happened in 2009, I was actually working in a, in a sales position. And my dad had a business that was started kind of from the foundations of my mother got chemical poisoning when she was a, a hair technician. And he sold his businesses to focus on creating a, a safe product line for both individuals who wore wigs or hair systems and, and technicians. 
So his business wasn't really going as well as he wanted it to. And we had a conversation in 2009 when the crash happened about me potentially moving to Florida where he lived and uh, helping him take a look at his business and seeing was there maybe some synergy there where I could help move things forward or change things. So originally I said, no, it was myself and my wife at the time we had one daughter. But then in you know hindsight, I was looking at it going, look, take a year out of our lives. What's the worst that could happen? I was always up for an adventure. And that's what we did. We packed up. We were in Ireland and we moved to Florida. And I spent the first six months learning about the business. Three of those months were spent building a manual database of all hair replacement studios in the United States. And I really started to get a deep understanding of the different client bases in the different states uh, in the U.S. And that kind of all led to, I suppose, a collective of small pillars that were put together to kind of relaunch the company into the industry with a new product. And it basically changed everything, the whole trajectory of the company, the whole journey for myself and my wife and my family, the journeys for my brothers, the journeys for my whole family, really. And it kind of led us into a position where we are today. So, I mean, there's there's a ton of different lessons and things that have happened in between, some simple and some quite complex, but ultimately it's done nothing but helped me personally on a development side, improve not only myself, but improve to the level that I could help people around us as well on the team. So it's been a real eye opener. By the time you join your dad in business, basically, you've been through various types of experiences. What was different about this experience and why did you succeed here? What made this succeed when previously, like, you know, it had been challenging for you? It's actually a question only I've I've recently asked myself yet again, you know, looking back, you know, say 15, 20 years ago versus, you know, over the last decade of, of my life, what has changed? And really the, the only thing that has changed drastically out of all that is myself, the ability to look myself in the mirror and ask myself the tough questions of who am I today versus who do I think I need to be in, you know, a few years time in order to lead the mission in an effective way that really aligns with the whole reason that the company started in the first place. So personal development, I think, is at the foundation of it all. At the end of the day, it was my my father-in-law over 10 years ago now, he said something to me that has stuck with me throughout my whole journey. And he basically says, look, you know, you can cheat and be dishonest with everyone around you. But at the end of the day, you know, you can't cheat the reflection looking back at you in the mirror. And, you know, if essentially you're able to have those honest conversations with yourself. There's not many hurdles that you can't jump over or challenges that you can't overcome. What's your view on the role of ego in entrepreneurship and how it makes us succeed versus fail? What What's your view on that when you look back at that personal growth journey? So for me, I think it comes down to learning how to be empathetic. When you're doing something for yourself, Naturally, you're making the moves on a, or making the decisions on a daily basis, which ultimately form what I call your blueprint. And that blueprint looks different for everyone. But I think the commonality between it is that we fail as humans to accept that failure is part of the human experience. And in order to come forward from a fail, you need to look at things in two, two directions. Number one, why have you failed yourself? And number two, have you failed because maybe you haven't been looking at it from a different perspective or within the shoes of another? 
So I think empathy is probably the key point in that for me. Looking back on the last, you know, say 10 years, every situation that I've faced that we've overcome as a team and as a collective has come from the position of being able to understand it from another another's perspective. So I think that that really, when you're not making decisions solely for yourself, I think if you don't have that attribute or if you don't at least try to approach it from that side, it's going to be very difficult to move forward. I think what a situation to be in though, like to join up with family members, right? Like, because I think like, there seems to be this misconception about working with family. I always think that people automatically think, well, it should be easier. You know each other very well, et cetera, and stuff like that. I always maintain that, like, you know what? You start working with family members, you're up against a bunch of strangers because you have no idea who these people are. And tell us a little bit about this experience, right? Like, so you come in, your dad essentially, I think, did the big thing in saying, I need help, which I think a lot of people fail to do at the right time. So what was that dynamic like for you? Because that had been the first time that you'd actually worked with your father, right? Like, so what did that look like? It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> It was terrible um, because at that point, there was 40 years of bad habits built within a mindset that was amazingly creative at getting something started, but I think was not mature enough to, you know, to become the person that needed to be to, to take the business to the next level. So there was a lot of bad habits that had to be undone. And, you know, I think the benefit, it worked both ways. So when I went into the business first, I was looking at it going, you know, operationally inside, there was a lot of uh, really toxic habits that were keeping the business where it was. And that was in the low to six figures. I think for over 10 years, the company stayed between 250 and 280K per year. And I was looking at it going, look, I'm not a genius by any means. And you know what? I'm very naive on many fronts right now where I'm at, but I can see these things and I know they have to change. So that first year and 18 months was extremely challenging because you could see everything in front of you that needed to be changed, but trying to convince a collective of individuals to do that is another task in itself. So you have this young guy coming in who's, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, 40 years younger than most of the, the people that they're communicating with. And they're, they're telling these people, you know, what they need to do. And um, that was really challenging. So that was the start of it. That was 2009, 2011. My brother Daryl came on board in 2013, then my brother David. And it was good from that perspective because, you know, there was some young blood in the business, hungry, wanting to do well and wanting to build the life that they, they could be happy of. Because look, at the end of the day, let's face it, what's the one reason that as younger entrepreneurs or people just getting started in the journey, what is the one thing that you want to build for yourself? It's the financial freedom and the ability to be comfortable with your lifestyle. As a 20-year-old or you know even 30-year-old, if you're struggling to keep the lights on or pay your rent, it's, it's always a stress. And naturally, we all realized very quickly we had an opportunity here to do something and we had the creative freedom to do it. So those few years were very challenging because you're you're learning to work within a familiar dy dynamic and trying to break apart all of those bad habits that 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 we had growing up as as kids as, as brothers as a relationship between a son and a father it was a very very difficult learning curve but after we came out the other side of it we realized one key thing no matter what our difference of view or opinion is ultimately we all want the same thing we want the company to succeed. We want our families to succeed. 
we want our kids to succeed and be provided with opportunities that maybe we didn't have growing up. And I think once we finally came to that understanding, a lot of things fell into place, you know, the contribution to the company and where, where, where we each fell into each other's kind of processes easily came together. Our understanding of ourselves, of what we can contribute at a higher level to the company was very evident. And then most importantly, the ability to communicate and look at things from an empathetic perspective started to form. And I think that is the point where we started to see the most progress because it was like a bunch of red tape was removed and we were just, we saw this clear path forward. Talk to us about after unlearning, what is it that you put in place together that allowed you to actually then successfully expand? It was about realizing this is the hard part of, I suppose, growth as an entrepreneur is that realizing we all have an ego and it's the ability to put it to the side and realize that there's going to be cases where you don't know it all and you'll find a majority of cases you don't know it all and be able to look for help at bringing somebody in that can help you uh, move to that next level with good guidance. So for us, when it was kind of mid to, you know, high six figures, it was all about, you know, our relationships with our customers. We were always on the phones. We had the spare time to constantly be chasing things down, speaking to people, educating them, which was a huge part of our business because it was our unique selling point of our product. We, we had a different product line than was available in the industry for, for 40 plus years. So when we crossed that seven figure mark, it became about systems. And when we implemented systems, every time we would add a million, two million, three million plus onto the bottom line, those systems broke. And it was about being able to figure out why they have broken, what we need to change in order to effectively retain that customer experience and customer connection, which is why we needed to hire help for that. You know, so we, you know, we work with some consultants and I've personally been mentored by some really good mentors over the years. And then what really changed everything was when you cross that eight figure mark, because your company no longer becomes about predominantly about the systems or the relationships. It becomes about leadership and about the ability to help people achieve the level of success that they want for themselves on the team in order to, you know, serve the purpose and mission of the company. And I think ultimately at the core Everyone wants to be involved in something that gives them a purpose. And if they can utilize their key attributes that they've shaped and honed over the years to serve that, I think it really is probably one of the most important aspects of people's working careers now. They want to feel connected to something or be connected with something that is contributing to the world as a whole. It's not just about you know service out or product out. It's about what are we doing internally that's making a difference on the consumer side to, you know, to the, to the planet, you know, never mind sustainability. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but, you know, is what you're doing actually contributing to other people's lives positively? How do you bring people along on that journey? Like, you know, how do you keep everyone on that journey with you? What about the team and how did you sort of like manage that side of it? So, I'm a firm believer after the last, say, 10 years in particular, that simple solutions make the greatest impact. And that goes across every discipline of the operations of your business and the people that are involved on the team. So one thing that was evident to me very, very clearly about three to four years in was that you need to invest in people to get the best out of 
you know, the, the productivity and the results. So what we ended up doing was we changed our, you know, perspective on how we hire. We no longer hired for someone who could just come in and do a job. We were hiring for somebody who may not had as much experience, but was hungry to develop themselves. And, you know, for example, we have an individual on the team about five years ago who started with us on the warehouse floor, and he's now training to become a cosmetic chemist. So it's about getting uh, people involved who want better for themselves because we're prepared and willing to help them develop as individuals and train them and teach them the ways that we want the company run because ultimately we're confident enough in ourselves and our own ability now that our mission and our culture, which we want to retain inside the company, is really only truly set for a certain type of personality or person, you know, because we need people to be open. We need people to be very mindful and we need people to want to solve problems because ultimately if there's a problem that can't be solved, we've got somebody on the other end of that that's unhappy. And that to me is not good enough because the company was started with a safety first aspect in mind and a world-class customer service that cannot be replicated by anyone in the industry because of our the way we've set the foundation. So we need people coming into the business that feel the same and that their personality type is the same. They're empathetic and they, they want to help. So that's where we've come from. Now, don't get me wrong. We haven't got it right all the time, every single time. But we've now built a team, you know, a core team of about 20 people that have exactly that. And they're moving forward with the company as we move on. So that to me was a, a huge learning curve because we were coming up against, uh, you know, let's say maybe eight years ago or seven years ago, as we, we were growing very fast, we came up against a lot of challenges where the velocity of growth was actually moving faster than people were willing or capable of keeping up with it. Now that that was a fault of ourselves completely on both fronts. We weren't hiring the right people and we weren't giving the right supports and we weren't developing people enough. So when we realized that that was the case, we kind of said to ourselves, myself and my two brothers, look, it's like we're uh, functioning in three different roles in this company and we're all contributing what our responsibility is. We need to improve our own views and our own experience in these roles so we can give to the team exactly what they need. So we did a, a couple of years of really hard work on that and uh, came out the other side of it. And we've had a team, you know, here that they've been with us since, uh, I mean, more than five years now. So it's, uh, it, it really stands testament to, um, or sorry, it really just, it really instills the, the importance of, of making sure that, you know, you can only help people develop as much as you're developing yourself. And that's why the journey never ends. The thing is, it's hard, right? Like to do it the right way. And I think this is also why so many people fail, right? Like it's hard to bring that empathy to work every day. It's hard to come up with a new system again when the old system breaks. So it's hard when you don't make money. It's hard when you make money. Let's face it, right? Like it's just a different set of challenges, I would say. So. We have more problems now with, you know, with the revenue we're generating than we had when, when we were trying to find out where we're going to get money to buy a new piece of machinery. So... Exactly. I think like this is also a little bit like the question about like this whole family ingredient in this, right? Like, so you're talking about yourself and your two brothers and, and it sounds like you're talking about it in a very equal partnership sort of a thing. Like, do you think about it like that, that the fact that it's family has now turned out into a sort of like an advantage for you guys? Or do you feel like it's actually it would have been the same with a couple of friends or something like that? Is is the familiness of it like sort of like a pronounced advantage to you today or? 
Well, the way I look at it today, uh, absolutely. I mean, at the very beginning when we were, you know, trying to figure it all out, it didn't seem like that at all. In fact, I, you know, there, were, there was times where I was looking at it going, I'm finding it very difficult to see a way through this. But that was my, my own fault. That was the way I was looking at it. It was about the stress that was involved in it. And at the end of the day, what is stress really? It's the inability of dealing with the things in front of you that build up in some, into something they shouldn't. You know, so, you know, you have to commit to, you know, to developing yourself and your mindset as, as, as an individual to deal with those things. Uh, now I look at it as, a, as an absolute blessing because at the end of the day, we realize it swings in roundabouts inside of a company, especially at, you know, leadership level. There's going to be some weeks or months or periods of time where there's a heavier workload on one than there is another. But I'm a firm believer is that progress is really positioned much better from a place of equality when it comes to a familiar business. And that's, you know, that's how we operate in, in, in our company. It's like, look, we know where our strong points are. We know what's required and we know what has to be done because if it's not done, things aren't going to function as well. So it's really about accepting that and just getting on with it. How do you map out sort of like the next stage of growth for yourself and consequently for the business? So I think kind of at the level that, that the company is at now, mapping out the next set of growth for yourself is all well and good. It's good to have a plan. But what that situation looks like when you eventually get to that point is 100% guaranteed to be a lot different than what you plan for. So what I've learned is that for me, and some might argue the fact that this maybe is a bit of a reactive phase to be in. Um, but for me, I look at the business challenges that we have on our plate and what what is likely to be moving forward for the next you know 12 to 18 months. And what do I need to do myself to put myself in a better position to handle those? And I'll give you a key example. So one of the biggest challenges we have in our company at the moment is the um, supply of counterfeit products uh, into our distribution channels globally. Now, these individuals who supply counterfeits are extremely intelligent. It's their bread and butter business. They know how to not only get away with it, but to keep it out of sight. About six months ago, I was in a position where I genuinely struggled to figure it out. And, and they, they were stepping all over us. I mean, we were losing 5 million plus a year in sales uh, just from counterfeits, right? What that did though, is that kind of triggered that, that part inside of me that, that just has this insatiable need to learn and achieve, uh, to kind of dig in deep and solely focus for a period of time on the mechanics of counterfeiting and really what happens and how they get away with it. So that led me down journeys and conversations with people that, that really opened my eyes to a lot of different things. So for me, like I knew that if I was to be able to get our company to the next level, there's two sides to it. You know, we had to reduce the amount of counterfeits by chasing them, finding them and taking legal action against them in order to create the revenue and pull back some of that revenue to reinvest back into the company. Because that's all we do year on year. We reinvest back to the company. This year alone, we've got a, f a 5 million euro investment, you know, into the expansion of our, uh, of our um, manufacturing operations uh, here in Ireland. And uh, that can't be possible with, you know, when you're constantly battling the loss of sales through not genuine articles. So going back to your question, I knew, you know, to develop myself, I had to really understand this mechanic of counterfeiting. So I could actually get in front of it. And we're starting to do that now. And I can start to see, you know, some revenue clawing back from lost sales. And you start to see patterns in between distribution and wholesale orders. So 
it's all a learning process. When you have the data, it's much easier to analyze it, but you have to know what you're looking for. So that's the reactive phase that I'm in, I'd say for at least the next 12 to 18 months. Now, past that, I don't know what it brings, but when you're kind of operating, you know, at an eight figure plus level, and maybe I'm wrong in my thought here, and it might differ in 12 months time, but I don't see any other way than, you know, when you're in a position, when you're trying to learn things that you don't know, there's no other way to do it than to just kind of stay in a reactive phase and learn it as you go along and look at the solutions that you have to apply to the company to get to that next level. That's kind of where I'm at at the moment. And, um, you know, maybe 12, 18 months time, we might have some other people on the team who can take some of that off my plate and I could move into a different mindset, but we'll see. That's just, that's just where it's at at the moment for me. Now there's these three brothers who are all, you know, potentially also having kids now, etc. And is that a conversation now where you're all already saying like, you know, actually we'd love for this to continue beyond us? Like, are you already at that stage where you discuss these things? We have already discussed those. And in fact, when we did, you know, a lot of the part and which is a whole different conversation of the succession planning of the business and what that looked like, we, we've gotten majority of that done now. One thing is evident that, you know, obviously we'll never place that onus on our children. If they want to be involved in it, all well and good. And if not, that's okay too. Ultimately, there'll be some sort of future there for them if if needed, hopefully. But look, we kind of leave that up to them. Look, I'm a firm believer is that, and, and this is the way I was brought up, is that go explore and find what you need to find. And you know what? Some people find stuff at a much later date than others. I think that journey for people is in direct relation and, and proportion to the effort that they're willing to put into it to figure it out. You know, a lot of people stay lost for a long time because they fail to, I suppose they fail to commit in most cases. And look, that's the lesson I teach my kids is that there will never be an expectation on you. At the end of the day, the world will never expect you to do anything. It will be 100% you. And in most cases, people, you know, won't even think twice about you. You just have to get on and, and do it for yourself. And ultimately, if you have the right approach and the right purpose behind anything you do, I think naturally people will gravitate towards that and connect with it in some capacity. Because listen, at the end of the day, they buy into people's stories. They buy from people. A sustainable relationship between person and company is only as good as the last sale. Whereas relationships are a different breed because you can actually then, you know, when you become more human about the whole transactional process, a little bit more flexibility. You know, for example, if something goes wrong with a product or if something goes wrong with an application process, if somebody has direct access to speak to somebody about it and that relationship is built, there's more of a high chance that you'll get through it rather than somebody buying something from a company and being like, this thing doesn't work. And then that's the last time they go back to them. So that's why a person experience is so important. And that's what we, you know, well, that's what I teach my kids anyway, is that, you know, you, you have to be human about things. We'll be curiously watching as you, as you all progress into that stage of the third generation. Thank you so much, Ryan, for joining us on the Family Business Voice today. We appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.